Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And we're back, and Julie, it is the 17th of September. We're going to finish off where we started uh, a few days ago. We're talking about the Centers of Influence and Past Client Plan, and we have been giving them suggestions and I think a lot of motivation to go about and, uh, and really institute and instigate a very aggressive and fun uh, Center of Influence Past Client Plan, especially into the new year. I know it's crazy. Here it is September, and we're talking about the new year, but that is how you have to think if you want to be successful in this business long term, and any business, by the way. You've already, you should have already started on your you know, created and in some ways implementing your new year's plan. Never start to the new year um, to start your plan. You have to always start at the beginning of the previous quarter. So centers of influence and past clients, for those of you who are listening to us for the first time, which is a minority of you. Most of you listen to us every day. This is still, by the way, I'm sorry if Julie and I don't say frequently enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. I have lots of gratitude for all of you. Right, and thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the United States. Um, and uh, we are being uh, downloaded now and listened to on a regular basis in over 60 different countries. And so this is relevant to all of you. The first spoke, the first um, cornerstone you put on your business is always centers of influence and past clients. Now, obviously, you want to be have uh, some skills to know how to do it, but we're talking specifically about your lead generation spokes. And the spokes in the wheel analogy is in our book, Harris Rules. So it's a great idea for you guys to listen or read that book over the weekend. You can get it on Amazon and every major bookseller. But the spokes in the wheel analogy is really quite simple. Imagine a spoked bicycle wheel. The more spokes you have, the stronger your wheel is, but too many spokes obviously makes it so that um, in a, if a lead generation spoke, if you have too many, you're never going to do anything. You're never going to really create very strong ones. So we always prescribe that if you want to have a big business, have five to seven really strong spokes. If you want to have a normal sized business, have at least three. No one should have fewer than three because if you have fewer than three, then you basically are running down the road with a wheel with a, you know two spokes on it. And as soon as that thing hits a little pebble in the road, that wheel is going to have no integrity and it's going to collapse and you know bad things are going to happen. So you get the idea. But the first spoke that all of you should be uh, creating for your lead generation is always centers of influence and past clients. And that's true whether you are young, old, doesn't matter what marketplace you're in, whether you sell expensive houses, cheap houses, how long you plan on being in the business matters not. This is the foundational spoke, as you said, the cornerstone to your business. Do you mind if I give an example? Please. So yesterday, I talked. With, I shared this with you guys yesterday. Yesterday, Rob Johnson, longtime coaching client, number one agent in Greenwich, Connecticut, with his brokerage. His average sale price is three and a half million. He has, I think, he's going to do 150 million or something like that this year. Uh, he does it with one assistant, has very high margins. He's sort of the, you know, he's a typical, I would say, great example of a high-end luxury agent coached by Julie and I. Not a big team, not a big brand, not a big ego, just big volume and huge profits, right? His number one spoke is? Past Client Center of Influence. Now, I was on the phone this morning, actually on a Zoom with a guy, and this guy was in Franklin, Tennessee, mm -hmm. which is near Murphy. And he was um, not selling expensive real estate. And he was not, uh, you know, highfalutin and driving around in a Range Rover and having this big fancy life and, you know, meeting celebrities and heads of states like Rob does on a regular basis, right? But guess what his number one spoke was? 
Past clients, center of influence. That's right. And guys, that's the point. No matter what the market is doing, if the market goes up, centers of influence and past clients. So like right now, those of you who have centers of influence and, and remember centers of influence or past clients, it's not just past clients. Those of you who have centers of influence and you know how to add more centers of influence, even though we're in this lack of listing inventory where there's not going to be a lot of expireds, things like that, you still have steady business because you've created your center of influence, a past client plan. You're not having to buy your business. You're not having to pay a whole bunch of referral fees because you've earned the right to have these people see you as their go-to real estate professional. So yesterday we promised that we are going to give you guys some drill down statistics on how important this is numerically. And I'm going to take you through this scenario, Julie, and, and you're going to give them the numbers. Mm -hmm. So here's the, here's the idea. We gave this to you guys yesterday, but it's incredibly important that you understand this because once you know this, once you've internalized this, once you don't wrestle with this uh, in your mind anymore, it is liberating. I remember the first time Julie and I were exposed to this. And by the way, it was not by somebody in the real estate business. We read this someplace I forget what it was. Um, it, obviously, it has to do with marketing. So here, here's the scenario. Um, you are moving to a, uh, let's say today, you've, you discover you have a roof leak. It's similar to what I said yesterday, but we're really going to drill down. And we're going to give them numbers. Mm -hmm. So you have a roof leak. Um, and let's say you've lived in this uh, house for a while. And let's say you had a roofer come out and fix your house. Uh, I'm sorry, a roofer uh, come out before that to fix another gutter problem or whatever. So you've got somebody that you've used before. You've liked this person. He did a good job, showed up, treated you fairly, um, was polite, respectful, the whole thing. Great guy. Matter of fact, you probably even sent this guy some referrals for other people. So you know you have this roofing problem and who you're going to call. You're going to call Bob the roofer, right? That's because who you're you gonna, already know him. You're not going to go sifting and sorting. You're not going to go online. You're not going to go fire up Google and say roofers in my area. You're not going to go to any website. No. You're not going to respond to an ad. You're not going to drive around you're looking for roofers. You're not going to take a Facebook survey. Exactly. You're not going to go to TikTok. You're going to go to the contacts in your phone and you're going to look up Bob, Bob the, the roofer. roofer. There you go. Now, we, uh, I know. Can you imagine someone doing a TikTok? Hello, I'm looking for a roofer. <laughs> right. You know. Oh, anyway. Yeah. This world we're living in right well, now is 87% insane. of the time. Thank you. Sorry. This is how the decision goes down. I'm okay? feeling a little loopy because it's Friday. And so we have 80s, a lot of caffeine. I know. So 87% of the time, the first uh, sorted sifting and sorting, I'm going to hire a roofer is, and you know, when people are going through their, you know, their mental, you know, how am I going to do it? Tree. Right. Their decision tree. Thank you, Julie Harris. Mm -hmm. I'm going to uh, choose Bob the roofer because I used Bob before. So 87% of the time when somebody's thinking about, I need to sell a house, let's just focus on from the listing perspective. I need to sell a house. 87% of the time, people are, and we've seen that statistic uh, as high as 92%, by the way, when we were researching it's this for right years. always right in that pocket. It's like everybody, as yeah. far as you're concerned. So that's going to be the biggest bulk of people right there who are going to use somebody they've used before. Now, if they don't have, or somebody they could have known that they, like say Bob was their neighbor, right? Same thing. It doesn't have to be, Bob wouldn't have had it necessarily. In my example, Bob provided services per, to you before, but you could have just come across Bob. Maybe you know Bob from church. Bob is your guy, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the 87%. The, the question that's being answered is, who do I already know? Right. That's 87 to 92% of the time. It starts and ends there. Okay, so what if... I got that roof leak and, you know, I've never had a roof leak in this house before. I've only lived here a couple of years. I don't know Bob. In fact, I don't know any roofers. The next thing that I do is I'm going to go to 
who a trusted friend or advisor. That's right. I got it, Julie. So okay. I tr- I did the math. Just I was checking Julie's numbers. I, yeah. I trusted friend or advisor, and I'm then going to possibly ask my neighbor. I'm going to send a text. I might go to some community group. Some well, it was the one you used in Georgetown all the uh, time. Oh, uh, nextdoor.com. Ne- you might use Nextdoor. My neighbors post them. Exactly. You're so you're only going to go and ask for a referral if you don't know somebody. Like Julie and I right now are sending work to a guy we know. Uh, Greg Vasquez, who we used all the time, and uh, for it, people were asking, in Texas. In Texas, people were asking us, "Who should I use as a handyman?" Greg Vasquez, uh, you know, ATX handyman, hundred percent of the time use him. And then now we need him for. We didn't even think to look for an ad, right? You no. guys get the point. You're the same way. Everyone's the same way. Now, the second thing they're going to do to what Julie's point was is they are then going to then ask a trusted friend or an advisor. Which incidentally is how we found Greg in the first place. That's right. That Proving is true. that, you know, it's one or the other almost all the time. Most people are not only never going to look at advertising and marketing, but they have uh, skepticism for advertising and the marketing because they, in essence, the ad is, might be, you know, it might be Bob, the, it might be Barry the Roofer trying to get their business. But the very fact that it's an ad, people have built up this very strong a callousness towards advertising to the point where they're going to be less trusting of an ad. And the statistics uh, play this out. And this is the reason that marketers and people that are trying to sell you marketing are never going to guarantee you a result because they know what I'm telling you is mm-hmm. true. So statistically, and, we've, and this is where Julie and I were having to check our math because we came up with different results from our research. But that So that leaves 13% of the market uh, who has not found their service provider from their their own personal center of influence of past clients. Now, what we saw then was another 11% basically are going to find who they're going to use from a referral from somebody they asked. So you need a roofer. Uh, let's say Bob's out of the business, right? Bob bought his yacht and he's floating around the Mediterranean or whatever. You know, roofers, you know, that's they right. charge a lot. Exactly, they charge a lot. Turns out Bob was running it's really well. good business, right? So Bob's out. So now you're going to basically go to your centers of influence and past client. And, or I'm sorry, you're going to go to your neighbors and people you trust, no love and trust, and you're going to ask them. So Julie's back in Georgetown, Texas. Yep. Bob the roofer, our old roofer guy, is no longer around. And then she's going to, she might ask our neighbor or that's somebody. Right. She's going to say, who do, who do you, you know? Use, right? right. Who do you use for your roofing? Okay. And it... Almost all the time, somebody's got that, right? And, and here's even what's... When, but just, yeah. you can hover there, because that right there, these first two points, mm-hmm. I remember when the first time you and I heard this, mm-hmm. we were in our 20s, it yeah. was like getting hit along the side of the head, like <laughs> with a, you know, a box, you know, yeah. Ollie, like punching upside the head with obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. So here's the moral of the story, guys. When was the last time you bought something from an ad? When was the last time that you didn't follow this exact uh, decision-making tree? It's not, I mean... This is why people go to the mailbox and stand next to the trash can. Right. Because they, you don't. You, everybody does that. They sift and sort. There's postcards that come to you. There's different flyers and ads and all this stuff. It's even more insidious than that, the truth about marketing. Because you could go to your mailbox and you could actually, let's say, for example, you're thinking about getting new window coverings or you have it just as maybe possibly it's floating around the back of your mind. You're going through your junk mail and you see an advertisement for window coverings, but you happen to know somebody who's in the window covering business from your church, synagogue, mosque or whatever. Mm-hmm. That So that card... Uh, from someone advertising window coverings to you triggered you to go back to your own centers of influence and past client list or your own, you know, your own personal sphere and, and then do business with them. And that's, again, one of the little things that advertisers and marketers won't tell you. So your mission in life is to be in one of those first two groups. Yes. Be the one they already know or be the one that their neighbor refers to them because they already know them. Now, here's the thing. 
only 2% respond to something else. Okay, and that could be a billboard. It could be, you know, direct mail. It could be something like that. So we're Only aver- 2%. So would you rather be part of the 98% or are you going to keep on running those numbers? And this is why right. when you do campaigns like that and you spend all of your money on that and you do it for six months and you call up, you, you and Steve talked about this on that, um, uh-huh. on your interview. And what do they say? Well, you haven't done it long enough, right? Well, or, so- or they'll say to you, well, you know, statistically, 2% should work out. So, you know, you just need to do more of it. But right? so, so understanding, so. if you guys are doing the business with Julie, again, she's shedding light on what every marketing company selling you anything will always tell you. When it doesn't work, which it won't, okay? There it is. Start there. When you call them up to complain why it's not working, what they're going to tell you is do more of it. That's what they're going to tell you nine yeah. times out of ten. They'll I'll, tell you that on month one, month six, twelve months when it expires, two months, you know, and and you're going to hear that from other agents too. They'll say, "Well, you you know, it just takes a while." So how do you actually become one of those first two groups? And I'll I'm giving you guys permission to completely forget about the two percent because it's too small, too expensive to get at. So how do you actually go and become uh, the person that is in one of those first two groups when someone in your marketplace is thinking about? Uh, buying or selling real estate. Obviously, you use the notes that we've given you uh, over the past few podcasts, and you can seriously consider becoming a coaching client because one of the first spokes and one of the most important things we're going to teach you when you become a coaching client is how to build this. And the best thing is, truthfully, many of these things are low-skilled. It's what it's what you say. It's how you say it. It's not difficult. This is not a stressful thing. And for it's you to, also free to do everything. Oh, totally. that we, Everything that we coach you to do in this particular spoke category. And this is why, guys, this is why the other people don't talk about this because this is skills based and it's free. They can't sell it to you, right? They can't sell you a product around this. And so this is the reason that people aren't going to tell you to do it because they know that if you start doing it, you won't be interested in all the other things they have for sale because you won't need the business because you got enough business coming from this. Exactly. Now, I'm going to present this last little bit here and then I have got uh, you covered. I, listen, I will go with you to pick up Zoe. You do not need to worry. I'll go with you. you I know. Go now. to point five. Let's okay. get it over so, all right, so here's the challenge. Take the three by four challenge. Now, the premise of this is that you're going to have to do more center of influence things than you think you do in order to make this work. So the three by four challenge is three meetups. Those are meetings, get togethers, coffees, you know, as we have presented in previous podcasts for four weeks, three meetups per week for four weeks. Use meetup.com to find what interests you are, you know, that you have or re-engage in the things that you used to do or know you enjoy to meet more people. So that's meetup.com. Sounds like a dating site, but it is not. Uh, (laughs) What you do is you enter your zip code and you check off what your interests are and you say what mile radius, maybe you're willing to go within 10 miles of of your home base. And then it tells you what you could be going to. That would would not be the first filter I would go to personally. What I would do is basic, well, you're saying meetup to find things that you're already doing that have... And then you can try it out because the challenge is three meetups per week for four weeks. Yep. So maybe two of them are stuff that you've always wanted to do. And one of them is something new you're trying out. Now you're going to not just do this kind of willy nilly. You're going to look at three specific categories to expand your center of influence. Category A, things you like to do anyway. We put that first because we know that you are more likely to actually do it. Most of you, that's all you'll do. And if you do that at a high level, and you do it per like we ask you but to do it. But three times a week consistently. You're good. You, honestly, most of you, especially if you have a higher sale price like Rob Johnson, if you're just going to things where other people are, where you have shared hobbies. Yes. Or, or you're both all sports well, fans. Well, it could be hobbies, sports, arts. You know, we always talk about Orange Theory. So those are some examples. 
The category number B. Well, kids too, right? And kids, kids absolutely. Thing. Kids, like kids mom, are the mommy meetups, totally. play dates. You know, all we have to do is like go to the beach, and that well, would count. In our well, case. we're about to go pick up Zoe and share the misery of the school pickup. Yes, nine hundred parents descending at once. Okay, so B is business networking for the sake of networking. This can be things like BNI, Business Network International, Chamber of Commerce. Toastmaster is really good because it makes yep. you speak. And then category C is charitable events like auctions, food drives, toy drives, fundraisers. We like the charitable event thing because that tends to be with a more expensive crowd. You know, that's their thing is philanthropy or charity. And that can, you know, have a nice byproduct of raising your average sale price. Be you, being you around other people who are like you. And essentially just have and just have normal, natural conversations like we told you in the first uh, few days of this podcast. That's all we're asking you to do, guys. We're not asking you to fake it. We're not asking you to show up at your church and start passing out your business card, you know, wearing, you know, lizard shoes and a white belt. All these reasons and excuses you guys have for not actually doing the real work of real estate. You can't do that. You can't go and, you know, share a hot, an interest in a specific hobby you have. By the way, it could be golf. <laughs> Those of you who yeah. play, you know, a lot of golf. Julie had a coaching client in Austin, uh, Dave something or another. And I'll never forget this. He actually was so adamant that he wasn't going to do ever any kind of anything that was proactive. And so Julie asked him what he would do. And he said, I'd like to play golf. And so Julie asked him about that. And he said, I want to play golf. I, I play golf three times a week. And I always play with the same guys. I mean, this guy loves golf. And so what she did is she gave him some rules, right? And then his business went through the roof. And the biggest thing that he started doing is letting them know that he wanted to help them by simply saying, by the way, who do you know is thinking about buying or selling that I'm actually helping in this business? Uh, you know, and, and that's the, all it took for him to have his business go to the next level. So he's now, and there the rule was he has to show up, play golf with different people, not the same guys all the time, and always just play golf, have fun, and remind them he's in real estate and he's always interested in helping them. And it took him to have one of his golf buddies list and sell with somebody else before he realized that he needed to hire a coach and essentially build the confidence of knowing what to say and how to say it. That is the key. That is what coaching is all about. If you guys are not yet in our coaching program, what the heck are you waiting for? Text the word SUCCESS to 47372. Text the word SUCCESS to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back the real estate treasure map. And we're also going to text you back the opportunity to have a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. We have to end the show a little bit early today uh, because we have to, as you guys have been hearing, go pick up Zoe. And uh, we're running the show a little bit late today. But in the meantime, you have a fantastic day. Oh, thanks to all of you who are uh, joining our coaching program. You found your real estate home. You're going to really love it here. And uh, do make sure you're attending your daily semi-private coaching call with one of our new member coaches. I'm sorry, with your coach now that you're joined in the program. And also, if you are interested in becoming partners with Julie and I at EXP, please feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>